This is the Twins Insider Podcast. I am Michael Rand. Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist here today as well. Jim, how you doing? Good, I guess. <laughs> I, well, I'm doing better than everyone on the Twins roster because nothing, you know, I'm an old guy, but nothing actually hurts today, which means I w they wouldn't even allow me in their building. Yeah, I actually hurt my shoulder the other day catching my okay, two-year-old trying to fall the off twins. a couch, so I, I'm... I'm, I'm 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 caught up. I'm not like Buxton. I'm not on the sixty day. I'm kind of day to day, like pretty much everybody else on the, on the team. But day to day means that they will find out that your injury is much more serious within two weeks. Well, That's the way this and, works. And how many of these guys would be on the injured list right now if it wasn't September? You know, and I've had some off the record conversations with Twins people, and a, a bunch during the middle of the season where one you know, one key Twins official was telling me, you know, we have about five guys should, who should be on the injured list, but. They aren't because we don't have anybody to replace them, and they think they can get through it. So it's it's been a really strange year yeah. in that I don't think we've ever seen a Twins team as conscientious about resting players. I think all Twins teams I've been around have always been conscientious about not rushing people back, although yeah. although you can say they rushed Buxton back a couple times sure. earlier in his career. And yet they have more injuries, more significant injuries, than any team I can remember. It's remarkable. And it's pretty devastating. I mean, they're going to win close to 100 games, and I'm not sure they ever really had their A lineup out there. No, not since – I mean, maybe like early in yeah, the year. like maybe a couple like, days, but, but, but not yeah, often. Right, right. It's, been, it's been a while since everybody was healthy, and a lot of that has been Buxton, who's been injured off and on so much this year. But now we have definitive answer. He is done for the year, shoulder surgery. Um, they have done a pretty good job covering for him, especially in August, but – it always felt like that was with the expectation that okay, you're just we're just you know if you're a twin player, you're you're saying we're, we're just going to get through this. He's coming back. What does that do now that he's not coming back? It's bad. Uh, this is a team. Let's face it. If it goes the way it's set up right now, they're either going to have to beat the Yankees or the Astros right. on the road uh, to advance to the next round, and their pitchers really don't match up with those lineups very well. No. And they need every out they can possibly get. And Buxton gets them outs that nobody else gets them. Buxton also can create runs in a way that other people in the, line, in the lineup can't. I think it's a huge blow to their chances. I'm not sure they would. Listen, it, it's the strange season in the, in which, again, they might win 100 games, yeah. and yet they're not going to be favored against anybody they face in no. the playoffs. Yeah, there might be three 100-win teams in the American League. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time that happened. I know. So, And the Astros and the Yankees are built to wear out your starting pitching. The Twins don't have dominant starting pitching. They have... You know they have enough bullpen arms now to get them through the season, but they don't have bullpen arms, so they're going to come in and blow people away. So they don't really match up well. Boston was going to be kind of an X factor, and now he's not there. And they can probably replace his bat. They can't right. replace his glove. They can't replace his speed. And it and it saps their depth. You know, Jake Cave is a nice bench player. Right. He's not a nice, you know, and he's done a nice job in spurts, but he's not the guy you want in the outfield when you're playing one of those teams. You probably go, I mean, if everybody, <laughs> if everybody's healthy, uh, is Marwin Gonzalez your third postseason outfielder at this point? Do you just kind of load up on offense? I would think, I would think that you would go Rosario in left, Kepler in center, Gonzalez in right, but you know they they believe in matchups so much, right? That. They could also, if they think scope lines up against a certain pitcher, they could play, play a rise in the outfield. Yeah, uh, and that, now you're you're maybe damaging your 
outfield defense in three different positions, but you're probably playing a rise and left, Rosario and right, and Kepler in center, right. and right. none of those are perfect. Sure. So I think they would like to play Gonzalez and right, but I also think they're going to look for matchups, and so anything we project now could change depending on who they're facing. Yeah, and again, I mean, this is, I mean, this is not a foregone conclusion. They're five up as of recording right now. Right. Um, before we get too deep on everything else, we should say important win last night in a lot of respects. I mean, seeing Barrios, even though he wasn't kind of strike dominant, didn't have a lot of swings and misses to go seven with just two hits, no runs, um, especially uh, in light of the Pen- Michael Pineda news, that at least gives them that, – that was a, a – they kind of had, they had a couple shot in the arm games. I think the Garver two-home run game a couple nights ago after the Pineda suspension and this Rosario one. in Boston, the throw yeah. home was a right. big play. I mean, we're at a point now where it's all math. You know I mean? It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they needed a win because Cleveland ended up winning, and this yeah. preserves the five-game lead. And, you know, what they need to do is guard against – they need to get through the series. They need to not get swept in Cleveland, yeah. and then they have ten games against bad teams right. down the stretch. So they, this is a survival week. And yep. last night put them clo- a step closer to survival. Closer to survival. I thought what was big was the way Barrios has been pitching led me – and this is not inside information. This is not something I got from anybody. I just was having trouble believing that he was completely healthy the way he was okay. throwing. Yeah. Because all the emphases in this organization have been on developing biomechanics that allow you to throw as hard as possible. Sure. And here's a guy who used to throw 96 and blow people away, throwing 92 and nibbling. Right. So I was like, okay, I, nobody's telling me he's hurt, but right. I'm not sure I believe them in right. this case. Yeah. Then you see him last night. And his mechanics were better, and he was hitting 94-95, and he was able to get his fastball by people. You know, he wasn't as dominant as we've seen in the past, but he, he had – it was better. And then after the game, Phil Miller, our beat writer, mentioned this too. Brios is a really serious young man. Not sure. all young ball players are. Yeah. And he had been moping and fretting for – for a month now and worrying about everything and you know and it was very uncharacteristic for him that to, that one day not stay in the lot yep. in the clubhouse and talk to reporters afterward he's a he's a nice guy and last night he was joking around it right. looked like the he, underwear joke I mean, yeah underwear i mean he made a bat really terrible it, joke terrible joke yeah. uh, it, it, it's so funny how people will it, it always highlights the underlying tension in those situations where you have an athlete talking to a bunch of reporters <laughs> and the athlete makes a terrible joke and everybody laughs. Right. It's just like everybody's so nervous right. in those situations, right. you know? Yeah. It's just a, it's like a release <laughs> valve that somebody said something that was at least an attempt at being funny. Right. But the fact that he looked so relieved yesterday and, you know, I, and I had a couple of conversations with people and they said, no, he's really not hurt. It really is a combination of mechanics and tension. Yeah. And after watching him last night, after talking to him last night, now I guess I believe that it's not an arm problem. It's just him getting this out of his head. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, he was going to be important no matter what. Anytime you looked at how the possible postseason rotation stacked up, you, you kind of said, okay, Barrios is one. How does everything else stack up? He becomes, you know, magnified, obviously, with the Michael Pineda news, a guy who had been pitching as well as anybody on the staff uh, for the last two, three months, really. Um, you know, you could kind of pencil him in for six innings, one or two runs for, you know, for the last month or two. Um, given that, um, I just, boy, the, the postseason rotation, if, if they are indeed lucky enough to, you know, to finish this off in the regular season, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it almost seems like they match up better right now with the Yankees than anybody else just because yeah. they can out-hit them. Right. I mean, I think they're going to have to outslug some people. They're going to have to get 
something approaching a quality start from the starter. They're going to have to piece together the bullpen, and they're going to have to outslug somebody. And they, they, you know, that Yankee series here earlier in the year was it was first of all it was fabulous entertainment. Yeah, it was. It was, it was great. And if Aaron Hicks doesn't make an ungodly catch, the Twins outslug the Yankees. Win the series, two out of three. And win the series. Uh, so that is kind of the template, I think. And if Barrios is back to being a one, he gives you a chance. O- Odorizzi has been up and down this year, but he's had, there have been a lot of good stretches. And the good thing about Odorizzi is he has pitched a lot against the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, it's not that it always went well, but there won't be a fear factor. There sure. won't be an intimidation factor. There won't be a lack of familiarity. And then who's your third starter? I mean, mm. who knows? I mean, it could be Perez and just get him out if he if he loses it. It could be Gibson, get him out if it loses it. I mean, yeah. it could be a lot of different guys. Um, but, you know, at least you have – I think you have two starters that, you know, you wouldn't feel terrible about running out. There. Sure. And Perez is a guy too. He's he's like he's kind of an X factor on on this staff yeah. because he's he's been so up and down. If you look at his, I mean, you look at a lot of pitchers' numbers. That third time through the order is is an indicator for a lot of guys, but for him in particular, I mean, his he he gets through the two times through the order usually in pretty good shape. Um, and so you could think about is he a guy you try to get through four or five innings and mm-hmm. then you you piece it together with the bullpen? Gibson is. I don't know what to expect. We'll probably learn more when he pitched Thursday yeah. against the Nationals. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, he's coming off the, the ulcerative colitis, which is, you know, he looks skinny. He, he looks, you know, that's it, a, that's a, that's got to sap your strength. It does. I mean, I've, I've never dealt with that, but I imagine it's, it's terrible, especially for a pitcher this time of year. But have to wonder how much that changes even their postseason roster and postseason strategy. Do they go more more pitchers? Do they go more bullpen? Do they? What do they do? Do they do a bullpen game in the in the postseason? Who knows? But it's the Pineda stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah. And he talked yesterday. What what was? Were you? Yeah, I mean, he didn't say a ton. Uh, you know, he's a really nice guy. He's really mild mannered, and he was very, uh, you know, what's the word? Apologetic. You know, um, but it's a brutal thing, and it's really interesting too. Because really, I thought Planco's suspension was one of the many th- reasons that they ended up having a terrible season and getting Ma- and Mahler got fired. I mean, yep. who knows? You know, I mean, sure. uh, and here you have Pineda, and if for some reason they didn't make it, they didn't win the division, that this will be a big factor. And if they lose in the postseason, this might be a big factor. This is a big deal. And it, it seems it's, it's a shame that the rules banning these substances seem to impact Latin American players more than other players. Yeah. But it's not an excuse. No. Because it's Pineda's job to say, if I'm going to take something, I'm going to bring it to a Twins trainer or right. Twins official and get it cleared first. So I understand that there might be more vulnerable, but still, he's a, he's a veteran guy. Yeah. He's pitched for multiple organizations. He should know. If, in fact, he didn't just cheat and get caught, sure. which is also a possibility. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but even his excuse doesn't hold up because he should have brought the substance to the course. And that, I mean, this impacts the Twins. It impacts him, too. I mean, think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Next year, he's got to miss another 39, 40 games. Um, whatever team wants him in 2020, he's got to wonder. You know, first, got to deal with a you know, quarter-year suspension. And they got to wonder, too, was his resurgence this year and, and come back from an injury, you know, partially, you know, you know, enhanced right. by by something. So um, that's that's not uh, that's not near term. That's short term uh, for for the uh, long term for for Pineda for the Twins. 
you wrote uh, in, in Wednesday's paper and online, StarTribune.com, about how this year is extra, right? They, they've the, what they're dealing with injury-wise is, or in, you know, absence-wise with Pineda too. This is to the extreme, but this has been kind of a pattern. If you go back, you know, to the early Garden Hire years of not entering a postseason at at full strength, and it kind of struck me. I was like, you know, that's a good point. Like they've, you know, Joe Mauer, Morneau, um, you know, Liriano, especially in two thousand six, um, even so two thousand one, no. they're leading the division at the yep. All Star break. They look like one of the best teams in they baseball. Were, yeah. Guzman might have been their best player all around at that point. And he comes back. I'm in Milwaukee. Yeah, he was an all-star that year, wasn't he? Was he was an all-star. He yeah. comes back from the all-star game. Uh, I meet, I'm in the t- – and I think it was in Seattle. I meet the team in Milwaukee after the, the all-star beat, break. Were you on the beat that point, uh, or you uh, Well, I was kind of doing the national right. slash help on the Twins, sure. job, yep. whatever it was. And, yeah, I'm, I'm there. And Tom Kelly comes over to me and says something like, this SOB goes to the All-Star game. He gets in a throwing contest with these guys. He comes back, and he can't throw. And by the end of the night, they're putting him on the table. They go out, they, he goes out there for pregame warm-ups, and he's not throwing the ball to first base. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everybody's going, what the bleep is going on here? Yeah. By the end of that night, they put him on the disabled list. Yeah, and he was and, the same the And the team tanked. Yeah. yeah and, then, but and, and, you know, if you want to go – I didn't go down this road. You could even extend this to – Kirby Puckett wakes up blind in 1996. Rick Aguilera, the same day, picks up a suitcase (laughs) Suitcase. and uh, can't pitch that year. Uh, You know, Tony Oliva's career cut short. Kent Herbeck, you know, he wins two championships, but he didn't have the career people thought he would have. Uh, There there have been a lot of cases like this, but especially when you just look at postseason, like like you said, uh, Maurer 2004, Liriano 2006, Morneau 2009 and 10, Sano 2017. Yep. They haven't taken a healthy team into the playoffs since 2003. In 2003, frankly, they should have won that series against the Yankees. They, they win, yep. they win game, game one. one. Yep. I believe game two was the game where Koski's ball <laughs> bounces in the stands. That was 04. Okay, that yeah. was 04. Yeah. So I get my yeah. twins you get crises. twins <laughs> crushing up. blows yeah. in, the, in the Yankee but, Stadium but mixed they up. Really, yes. They had a chance to yep. win game two in the they Yankee did. Stadium. Yep. They didn't, and then they get their butts kicked back here. Yeah, they won game one in Yankee Stadium in both yeah. three and four. Yep. Um, and four was the one that was really – Four was the one where they really They lost had an extra innings uh, when they ran Nathan So which year was the Mauer ball that was – That was nine. That Maurer hit the okay. the Cuzzy ball. Okay, right. Yeah, but uh, four was the year where they uh, they took the lead in extra innings on Hunter's home run, and then they they ran Nathan out for a third inning because yep. they didn't have anything else, and A Rod got to him. And yep. then that was also the game four meltdown here, where Juan Rincon said, "Nobody wants to be no in my pants." Me in my pants. That's, I mean, which is it was almost, almost literally wor- true. Almost worth it. Uh, just for that for, line. Just for that quote, Absolutely. because it was it was so memorable. But. That that aside, uh, jinxes, curses, hexes, whatever you want to call it aside, this team's hallmark this year, aside from home runs, and by the way, uh, an aside here, the Yankees have now caught them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twins have two games in hand, as everybody keeps it's mentioning. Mitch Garver against the Yankees right Mitch now. Garver against the Yankees. They are tied at 276 in home runs. That would be the ultimate indignity if the Yankees in this year of Everybody talking about wow the Twins are hitting all these home runs. If the Yankees ended up with with the record uh, at the end of and the and then year. beat them in the postseason and then beat them in the postseason, yeah. that would be. I mean, people would just yeah you know, their heads would explode. They'd stop. They they they'd claim they were going to stop watching baseball forever. And they'd, they'd be lying, then they watch next year. Yeah. Um, a hallmark of this team though has been resiliency. Um, I, I would say they you know you going back to the stat earlier this year where they you know hadn't lost three games in a row for forever and you know they've done that now obviously but every time it seems like. You know they've they've faced a serious 
challenge or threat or peril. You know, Cleveland catches them after being 11 down, and you're like, okay. But then they, they come back up. They win these games in, in the face of bad news. Are they resilient enough, or does that run out at a certain point when the competition becomes too good and the losses become too great? Uh, well, if we're, we're talking about postseason here, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I still, I mean, they're making the postseason is not a, a lock by any means, but they're they're it's, it's math. You're right. The, the math says exactly what you said that if they get through these next two games against Washington and then don't get swept by Cleveland, they're in very good position. Right. Uh, postseason. I mean, the the reality about this postseason is that they could be resilient as heck and tough as heck right. and everything else and still get beat. Sure. I mean, you know that that has been the theme. I think the only time the Twins were favored or should have been favored in the postseason since 2002 uh, was when they had the A's in 2006. Yep. They were the better team and they played horribly. They did. Um, 2002, you know, we didn't know we didn't know really know what to make of the Angels. Right. I mean, they upset a very good A's team. They did. Yeah. First round. The Angels were a weird team. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't really that impressive in a lot of ways, but they just, you know, they were first to third, hit line wear you down, the field, yeah. wear you down, you know, and they, and, and Adam Kennedy, Adam Kennedy goes nuts, which is one of those things you can't predict. Right. So the Twins actually might have had the better team, but they didn't play well in that series. But most of these series, they've yeah. lost to a superior team. Yeah. Most of the Yankees. And in this yeah. postseason, they're going to face a superior team. So yeah. they could be really resilient and play well and still get beat. Yeah. And I think people would have a hard time with that. But if you look, if playing the season out, if you got to the end of the year and they lost a competitive series, I mean that's that's kind of life in baseball, right? I think fans would say, "Oh man, they they blew it, they choked." But man, it's like if this is a it's ninety-eight win team, a hundred win team, and they they go and get beaten in the playoffs, it's kind of and it's kind of we're kind of at the first step too. A lot of teams don't just jump right into this mix and win the World Series right, right away. Like it's it kind of takes a while sometimes for you know, and it's luck of the draw or it's kind of understanding what what October is. Yeah, absolutely. And choking, you know, let's define choking because so many fans use it incorrectly. Choking is not getting beat. Choking is reacting negatively to the pressure of a situation to the extent that you don't perform the way you would normally perform. Like you beat yourself, essentially. In other words, if, you, if you're a great free throw shooter yeah. and you happen to miss a free throw... That doesn't mean you choked. If no. you did everything the way you usually did and the ball sure. just didn't go in. Now, if you airball a free throw and you're a great free throw shooter, then you choked because you didn't even you right. know, perform the mechanics properly. Right. You know, the Twins could lose and have it not be a choke. Now, if they, you know, take a lead and somebody who, let's say Taylor Rogers is rested and he goes out there with a three-run lead in the ninth and he pitches horribly and it looks like he can't handle the pressure that's choking sure. getting beat by a superior team is not get is not choking yeah i agree with that i mean I think people don't uh, quite understand that uh, distinction sometimes yeah. but uh yeah that's a it's, a it's an unfortunate reality i mean how what what do you think they're i mean it kind of feels like they're playing a little bit more I mean, small balls around where maybe they're just hitting less home runs right yeah. now has their approach changed at all it felt like they they've you know, maybe they're kind of understanding that in the postseason they're just going to be able to knock the ball over the fence every time. And that's again, goes back to your Buxton point that they lose some of that. But do you feel like their approach is is evolving at all as, as the season goes along? I actually don't think so. 
I think they would love it if they could go back to hitting three to five home runs a game. <laughs> sure. I, I and think, maybe they will against these bad right. teams in the last two weeks. Yeah. I, I think it's been they haven't had quite the production. They haven't had quite the health. And now all of a sudden you're playing, you know, and Arise has become a bigger and bigger factor on this team. And he's a hit it and run until you get thrown out kind of guy. So I, I don't think their philosophy has changed. I think just the way the reality of their lineup has changed. Last thing, and then we'll, we'll cut this off. I think one other misconception fans have of this of this year's team in particular is that they haven't been good against good teams, that they've only fattened up against Detroit, uh, Baltimore earlier <laughs> this year, uh, Kansas City, and Chicago, which they have to a large extent, which is a, what a good team does. If you look, though, at their record against the best teams in baseball, it's pretty good. They, they've... You know, I think the Yankees got them. I think what they took two out of three in both cases. Yep. But they they handled the Astros. They've they've been fine against Cleveland. Um, they they did okay against some of the good National League. I think their their record is you know against potential playoff teams is right around five hundred, uh, if not a little bit better. So this is not a team that's kind of like sneaking in. They will they will be an underdog if they get to a series against New York or Houston. But I, I wouldn't say that. It was interesting. Phil Miller was telling me when he was out in Boston, that the national perception of the Twins is that they're kind of in this echelon now with, yeah. with these other really good teams. And it feels different to me than, than some of those garden-hired teams that were, you know, had the 90 wins but maybe didn't feel like they were supposed to do anything or had the firepower to do anything. Right. Well, it did feel like the garden-hired teams, they were really heavily reliant on a couple of people. You know, whether it's Mauer, Morneau, sure. Hunter, whatever. Um, and... This team has much greater depth. Yeah. Uh, listen, they're gonna they're gonna win. Let's say they win ninety eight games. So you just you can't fake your way to ninety eight no. wins. They've also beaten a bunch of Cy Young winners. Yeah. They've beaten a bunch of All Star closers. They have won comeback games. They've won difficult games. They've won in difficult places. You know, your record against good teams is gonna be lesser than it is against bad teams. That's just the way it works. But this team has not faltered, I don't believe, against good teams. That doesn't mean it's predictive. It doesn't mean they're necessarily going to win in the postseason. Right. I, I just think that what we deal with – I think what we deal with in with this fan base is different than with any other fan base. Okay. I think Viking fans enjoy the heck out of being Viking fans, knowing that they're probably going to be disappointed, but they'll deal with it and and they'll have this – you know, they'll have this therapy club of other fans <laughs> to whine about right. the big loss with. But they, they really enjoy the, the game and they enjoy the season. Right. I, I think what we have with Twins fans is we have a, there's a small base of fans that love baseball and that love going to the games and get really excited when the team's good. I think maybe the majority of Twins fans aren't really baseball fans. They're sports fans who want this, who once the Twins start winning, they wrap all their emotions just in that team winning a World Series. Yeah. So they're not really enjoying the process or the regular they season. Yeah. They're not enjoying the, the epic nature of the games. All they're thinking is, if this team disappoints me, I'm going to hate them. Yeah. Which is, you're, wel you're, you're welcome to your approach. It's your money. It's your time. You can do whatever you want with it. I, I just think that's an unfortunate way to look at baseball. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's frankly – if, if your frame of reference is the Twins winning the World Series in 87 and 91, uh, it's harder to do that now. There's, there's more yep. play. It's easier to make the playoffs. It's harder to win now. There's a, you know, if you're a wild card, there's two extra layers. If you're just a division winner, there's an extra layer before you even get to 
the series that gets you to the World Series. It's it's harder. It's it's a hard thing to do to get to the World Series now. Right. And you know if and you know what they could win it. They of could they win could. it. Yeah. But the notion that they have to win it for this to be a fulfilling season, I think, just goes against the nature of the game. It's a reg- baseball is a regular season game. Yeah. It's a hundred. It's three and a half months of planning. It's a month and a half of of. Uh, of spring training, it's 162 freaking games yeah. over six months. <laughs> if you, if all you care about is how they do in three to five to ten games in October, I, I just think you're watching the wrong sport. Yeah, maybe they are. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Big uh, two big games here still left against Washington, weather permitting, um, and then three at Cleveland, and then those 13 that everybody's been waiting for <laughs> against uh, Chicago. <laughs> Kansas City and Detroit. Uh, Chicago, maybe not historically bad like the other two, but uh, still. Chicago's actually gotten better they in have some gotten ways. Better. I agree. Yeah, they've, they've got more to play for, so that's that's not a, a layup series, but uh, they get, I get them through a week with uh, attrition uh, setting in them. Jim, thanks for being here. Thanks, Michael.